Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. I think our biggest challenge in the modern world today is fear. We fear all the time. We fear what, what, is, what is going to happen to us in the future. We fear every day. We worry about our country. We worry about our family. We worry about our friends. Uh, we worry about work um, to such an extent that fear really hammers us because two things, uh, everything originates from. One is either fear or faith, one or the other. Mm. And um, I've had a journey uh, where I had lymphatic cancer. And uh, when I was diagnosed, I had, I had options, but I chose the option of no fear allowed. And uh, on my diagnosis, what I did and what I, I felt the Lord was saying to me is, you know, look straight ahead of you. The way the Lord looked to the cross, he made his face like flint. He didn't flinch. And yeah. the Lord encouraged me to do the same. So you've got this diagnosis. I'm going to heal you, but you need to do this in faith. So make sure you set up an environment of faith. So I did the following things. The first thing I did was I put a group of wonderful Christians around me that were very close to me, a small group. And I, I made them promise me they would faith with me through confession. So they were only going to confess. They weren't going to shriek or send me get well cards or cry. They instead were going to confess. Thank you, Lord, for healing Steve. Uh, we, we thank you, we bless you, we worship you, you've, you've healed Steve. Help me understand now, the, the, was this a position that you took from the moment you received the diagnosis? Where, where was the process or, or was there processing around an initial fear that settles in, the, the doubt, the where, where's, where are you Lord, how can this happen to me? Did, 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 you, did, did you have that? Well, that oscillation. It was a very interesting journey that led up to the diagnosis. For about two years, I walked around feeling really ill. I didn't know what was wrong with me. My right leg was giving me a lot of trouble. I went to a lot of doctors. I had doctors tell me, don't worry, you don't have cancer. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, and eventually, I had a very sharp GP who worked out I did have an issue and sent me to a surgeon. It was during COVID. So the first surgeon refused point blank to touch me because COVID was going to destroy the earth, which we see it didn't do. Um, and I found a, another surgeon who put a mask on and said, let's go in and have a look at your leg and see what's going on. So he went in and he came back and told me a day later, Steve, sorry to tell you this, you got cancer wrapped around your femoral artery. And it was phase two lymphatic cancer, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, uh, the large cell type. Um, and he sent me to a, an oncologist. So suddenly, within 24 hours, your life gets turned upside down. So I spent quite a lot of time just saying, Lord, what now? And um, I listened as hard as I could, and this is what I felt he said to me. Let's go. I'm going to heal you. This is going to be a faith journey. But he was very adamant. No fear allowed. So we, we didn't allow the fear wow. anywhere near. And so, we so, just faced so, it. So fr from the start, yeah. the, the promise was there. You got that the diagnosis. The, okay, the journey is now meted ahead of you, but I'm going to heal you. I'm going to be with you. Here's what I need you to do. No fear allowed. Yes. And the Lord was doing something where he said to me, really, that you're going to go through this and I will heal you and I'm going to do great things out of this. So 
be the faithful servant and do this. So that's exactly what I did do. And I created a WhatsApp group and I would report back. Uh, and I'd say, you know, the Lord's doing this. And I would just give glory to the Lord, even if the news wasn't great. Uh, we weren't making up stories, but we were thanking God, knowing that we're in His hand. I think many of you watching this will be familiar with the process of chemo um, and, um, and, and what, what that entails. Through that process, yes. through that deterioration, you, you are sending out praise reports. Yes, uh, you, you know, really, really had to do that. Uh, to six months, I had to do this. Uh, there were three-week cycles. They would put 34 different types of drugs into me, starting on a Monday morning, 24 hours a day until the Friday. Then they'd send me home for two weeks and then do the, the whole thing again. And we did that six times. Um, but I was always at work. Um, as part of my faith stand was, I'm here. I'm going to do this because he's, I'm in his hand. Uh, he's with me. Yeah. So that, that's exactly what we did do. Uh, the lymphoma, you know, where did the lymphoma come from? I don't have cancer in my family, but uh, stress. So there's a lesson there. Mm -hmm. I had 10 years of hectic, hectic stress running my own businesses and allowing stress to get to me. And the second thing is I had an autoimmune disease called psoriasis, which is where the skin over replicates. You look like you've got leprosy. And the interesting thing coming out of this, not only has the lymphatic cancer gone, I've had nearly three years of total clearance, the like they use the word cure, which you're not supposed to use in cancer. <laughs> and the second thing was my psoriasis has vanished. It. Something that harassed me all my life. It was like Paul's thorn in his side. I used wow. to get such bad psoriasis on my feet. I was embarrassed to go swimming with my friends. They'd look at me and get out the swimming pool thinking I'm bringing some kind of disease. <laughs> Leprosy and, into and the it's, pool. It's just an autoimmune disease. And that's gone totally and completely. Wow. That I, I don't even have a remnant of it. Uh, something that's dogged me all my life. And I, I'm astounded to see that's gone as well. Incredible. Incredible. Amen. <clears throat> what an amazing testimony, right? Just the goodness and faithfulness of God. And what we want to do now is we actually want to just take a moment and pray for people with chronic illnesses, cancer. Um, if that's you or there's somebody in your family, one of your friends, a work colleague, anybody around you that you love and are trusting for healing, um, let's all stand up together. Um, and those of you who are really trusting for healing, maybe just, just raise your hands. People around you can come and lay hands. Just keep your hands up, whether it's a chronic illness or cancer. CJ is going to lead us in prayer. And let's really have faith tonight. Let's trust the Lord tonight that he's going to come through. So let's just gather around our family, everyone, and we're going to pray. And while I was thinking through this, I got the scripture from Hebrews 4, and it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And what I was really feeling in the spirit is just this thing, the word of God is living and it is active. And that's the faith that we stand on tonight, that we don't serve a dead God, we serve a God who is alive, who is active and who is moving on your part. And that his word, 
is strong enough to divide spirit from soul, bone from marrow. It knows the difference between a healthy cell and a cancer cell. It knows the difference between a healthy immune system and one that's running rogue. And so as we pray tonight, that's what we're going to stand on, on who our God is and what God does. So Lord Jesus, we just bring every single person represented here tonight before your throne, Lord God. We thank you that you are a miracle-working God, that you are a God of wonders, not that you were, but you are, Lord God, that you still do what you did in the past, Lord God, and you still will do what you have done before, Lord God, and we thank you for that. We stand here giving thanks, Lord God, for the testimonies we're going to hear about what you have done tonight, about the people that have been saved, Lord God, that have been healed 100% of the doctors who are confused because this shouldn't be happening, Lord God, because chronic illnesses don't go away, Lord God, that's what they've been taught. You're going to stand and you're going to contradict them because you are the God of wonders. You are the God of miracles. You are the God who loves us and you are the God who heals, Lord God. That Jesus, you took every single stripe on your back. Every splinter of skin and bone that came off was for us, Lord God, so that we could stand and say we are healed. And so we stand in that in the name of Jesus right now, Lord God, that we are healed. Every single one of us who is walking with these things, Lord God, we are healed. And we thank you, Lord God, for your love, for your grace, and ultimately for God for your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, good evening. It's so good to see you all here tonight. Just one more thing before we get into the Word of God. Um, um, Grace mentioned that our, our kids' ministry is not a babysitting service. It is kids' church. It is where kids learn to read their Bibles. They are discipled in how to follow Jesus. They experience the Holy Spirit and they practice the gifts of the Spirit. The kids pray for this church. They pray for souls saved. They pray for the nations. Isn't that amazing? It really is kids' church. And our leaders do such a good job. And we're finding ourselves in an interesting season at the moment, especially at the hub. We have about 10 kids that usually go upstairs to the, to the kids' ministry. And we've had four very faithful leaders um, rotating, looking through that. Um, but stuff has grown a lot through the morning services. And so they're, they're moving some of those leaders upstairs. And so we have a need for people to volunteer for kids' ministry if you feel like that might be a ministry or something you really want to do, uh, we would like you to volunteer and commit to that. But beyond that, I'm looking at a room of full of young people, full of energy, full of faith, full of uh, uh, excitement. And what I would like to challenge you is if you can even just commit to doing one service as a volunteer, we will take you. <laughs> And I promise you, you're going to have fun. You get snacks. You get free snacks. We don't serve snacks during the service. Yeah, but kids' church, they do. So that's a nice little added bonus. Um, and the, the basic requirement is that you are active in a connect group. So you not only uh, say you go to connect group, but you actually attend it, right? It's a good thing to do. If you say you go to connect group, you should really be attending. That is the requirement. And so um, if either of those two are, uh, are speaking to you, and again, I want to put the challenge out to just volunteer. Uh, the hub closes the middle of December. It's about 12 weeks, I think. So we just need to cover those 12 weeks with, with, with some assistance for Nicole upstairs. So come and see me afterwards. I'll get your details and we'll link you up to Nicole and she'll train you and coach you. And I think it will actually be a lot of fun. So let's, uh, let's volunteer in the time of need. Amen. So um, who was here last week? 
Yeah, we kicked off our Doctrine of Faith series with uh, Michael Paderis all the way from Manila, and he did such a fantastic job. And I want to encourage you, um, last week we had two different messages on faith, this week we've got two different messages on faith, so go and listen to the podcasts on SoundCloud. If you type in Every Nation Rosebank on SoundCloud, you will find our podcasts. And I really want to encourage you to listen to all those sermons, because what's so beautiful about having different speakers, different topics on, on the same theme is that you get such a nice full picture of what God is saying about faith. And so tonight we're carrying on with our faith series, and uh, the title today is The Measures of Faith. The Measures of Faith. And I'm going to read from Romans 12, 3 to 8. You can follow up there. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so verse 3 tells us that in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. That word accordance means agreement. It means to conform to right? And so God has given each one of us, us a measure of faith, and we can accord with that. We can agree with it. In the New King James Version, it actually says God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He has dealt to each one. Have you ever played cards? You don't have to put up your hands, and I don't want to know about gambling, but uh, we all know about dealing cards, and you, you get the hand you get, right? And it's dealt to you, <laughs> And so that is how God has apportioned grace. He has apportioned faith to each and every one of it. One of us, um, uh, it means to bestow, to share out, to divide, to give a participle. It's different than. And just like in that card game, you don't know what your opponent's cards are, <laughs> but you know what yours are. And sometimes you're going, oh no, I've already lost. <laughs> the good news is when it comes to the apportion and the dealing of faith, nobody loses. We all win because we get faith, right? And so if you think about a measure of faith, it's a strange way to put it, right? Um, because a measure is a very finite thing. It's a specific thing, right? Is it one gram? Is it 15 grams? Is it 15 kilograms? Is it one ton? Those are all measures. And if you ever try to bake a cake, cooking is a lot easier than baking, right? Men, cooking is a lot easier than baking because baking is scientific. Like if you're going to make a cake, like has anybody ever thought, I'm going to do this? And then something comes out the oven, but it does, it, you, you just throw it straight into the dustbin. I've done that many times. Because baking is scientific. Cooking isn't quite as scientific. Baking is scientific because to make a cake that can actually stand up on its own that you can ice requires very clear measurement. If you put an extra egg in or not enough milk, it's done. It's not going to be a cake. It just isn't. 
And it's so interesting that Paul keeps pushing this idea of the measures of faith. Um, and what he's literally saying is that the faith that God gives to us, the faith, the faith that God apportions to us is unique and different. For each one of us, it's different. He starts off in verse 3 by saying, for by the grace given to me. And then later in, grace six, uh, in verse 6, he says, um, according to the grace given to each of us. So that word grace is the, is the Greek word charis. It's where we get the charismata. Have you heard about being charismatic? It just means a gift. Okay, And so what Paul is saying, by the gift given me, I am now teaching you and telling you about the measures of faith you have. And then later he says, but each one of you has a special gift, has a unique gift. It's different. His grace is different from our grace because he is Paul and we are us. Why? Well, not all of us are called or expected to do the acts that Paul did. If you are writing a version of the Bible, you best stop right now because it's going to be nonsense. Believe it or not, there are people out there who are rewriting scripture because they were unhappy with what was in there. Nonsense. That is Paul's job. That's his grace. Do you get what I'm saying? None of us are called to do that, but Paul was. And so God gave him grace, gave him faith, for that. In verse 4 we read, for just as each of us, there we go, that's the measuring of the cake, <laughs> um, for just as each of us uh, has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. And this is what, and Paul is illustrating what I've just said to you by using our own bodies as an example. Um, each separate part of our body has been apportioned to specific, distinct, and unique functions, right? Each function of these members requires ligaments and muscles uh, to perform their task, but arms and legs need much longer, stronger muscles to do what they need to do, whereas um, lips and eyelids need way smaller, shorter muscles to do what they do, right? The irony is there's more muscles in your face than there are in your leg. <laughs> and it takes way more muscles to smile, smile at the person next to you, than it does to run a marathon. <laughs> How interesting is that? <laughs> Some of you are scaring others. Um, <laughs> oh, goodness. How do we go? No, we want to go backwards. There we go. Okay, um, so verse 5, he carries on and he says, So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. So just like our body isn't just made up of one big eye, like Sauron, right? He was just one big eye in the sky. That's horrible. Um, we have many different body parts that all have very different functions, but together they make us. Together they become the wonder of God's creation in us. And so Paul is saying that it's the same as in our gifts in the body, but who we are in the body of, the, of Christ. We are all distinct and unique. This is something that makes me absolutely blow my mind, is this concept of the fact that all of us are conforming to Jesus Christ, right? In fact, that's the whole point of Christianity. Why are we Christians? So that we can conform to the image of Christ. So Josephina is conforming to the image of Christ. Lareko is conforming to the image of Christ. I'm conforming to the image of Christ. We all start looking a lot more like Jesus. 
the most amazing thing is we don't start looking like each other. <laughs> we start looking more and more and more like ourselves. And this is what Paul is talking about. And so in Christ, we are all different and have different functions, and yet we make up the body of Christ, his church. Our functions make us unique. And our uniqueness requires unique faith. Think about that for a minute. Faith has been taught in the church forever, <laughs> 2,000 years plus. But there's so much misunderstanding and lack of understanding about it. And there's so much shame that comes on us as members of, of God's church because we feel like we don't have faith or we feel like we don't have enough or we feel like our faith isn't strong enough. And we look around and we hear these testimonies like Steve's testimony and something in us, we want that. We know that's true. We believe that with all our heart. But immediately shame comes up. Because you're like, oh, but I don't have that kind of faith. And this whole message tonight about the measures of faith is that you are unique. You have a unique calling. And God has given you unique faith. He has given you exactly the kind of faith you need for your life. You see, God knew before you were even a thought in your parents' eyes, what's that word, a twinkle in your dad's eyes, God knew you were going to be here, and he knew who he was going to make you to be, and he knew what would happen from the beginning to the end of your life. And so he apportioned a measure of faith to you that is more than enough for what you need, for what I need. God has already given you all the faith you need to live out your calling, right? And this is very important to understand because this is another thing the church has not done well with. Um, purpose, destiny, calling, we mix them up as all one thing. They are very different. And in actual fact, your calling is the totality of your life. Your calling is everything that will happen to you in your life that you will live through, that you will experience, that you will choose to do, that you will choose not to do. For your whole life. Like, when we say it was Obama's calling to be president of the United States, well, it was part of his calling. Because the day after he stopped being president, we didn't say thanks for everything, taking out behind the back of the White House and shoot him. Right? He continued to live, right? And in fact, after being president of the United States for two terms, he most probably has even more influence, experience. He most probably has even more gravitas and worth after that experience, do you get what I'm saying? We, he won't know what his full calling is until the day he dies and he looks back at his whole life. That's also the definition of destiny, which is not actually a Christian term. It's a Hindu term because <laughs> it's aligned with karma and we don't believe in that at all, right? But the idea of destiny is that it's your whole life. It's everything you're going to do. And in the same way, you don't know what your destiny is until the day you die. But what you do know is your purpose. What you do know is who you are created to be because you are your purpose. Your purpose isn't what you do, it's who you are. It's what comes out of you. What you do are the vehicles that allow you to manifest your purpose. And so this is why relationship is the essence of Christianity. 
And this is the whole issue of faith. If you're trying to live by somebody else's faith, I am so sorry for the kind of stress you are going through right now. Because you can't do it. Because God is not asking you to do it. If you are trying to live by somebody else's faith, you are literally living in your own strength. Simple as that. So how do you know what you need faith for? What's happening in your life right now? What happened 15 years ago? What are you hoping for the next five years? That's what you need faith for. You have the measure of faith that is required. Verse 6 to 8 gives us, he starts talking about all the gifts, and these are the motivational gifts that you find uh, somewhere else in the Bible. Go look for them. But I love how he explains this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so Paul uses the gifts of the Holy Spirit to explain how this works. Because we don't all have all of those gifts. And that is not an exhaustive list by any means. You know, Adam and Eve... When God created them, they were never meant to die, right? Death is unnatural. When somebody you love dies, what happens to your world? It falls apart. I feel like that alone is the most brilliant answer against the concept of evolution. <laughs> because if after 50 million years of dying, you know, why are we so upset? Because it's not natural. It was never in God's mind that that would happen. Because of the fall of man, it has to happen. But isn't that beautiful that Jesus came to reverse that and we have eternal life? We never die. This flesh might fall away, but we never die. Um, and then my brain stopped working. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, oh, so the point I'm trying to make by all of that is this. Because they were never meant to die, God gave them gifting beyond, beyond understanding. Because he knows how bored people get. <laughs> so when he made them, he put hundreds of gifts in them that they could figure out and discover over thousands of years, right? What does that mean for you and I? We, your generation, I honestly believe Gen Z is going to make 100 healthily. I think it's going to be a strange experience, but I think you guys will make 100 healthily. I think that will be a more common thing than we're seeing now. Um, but in, your, in that 100 years, you now have to make choices. You can't express every gift that's inside of you. Some of you already have that frustration. There's 79 things you really want to do. You don't have the money. Let's just start there. <laughs> You'll never have the money to fulfill 79 gifts. You don't have the time. You don't have the energy because you are human. And so this idea of giftedness, everybody, just look around this room. Look at somebody. Look them in the eye. I want you to say to them, you are more gifted than you will ever be able to express. Yeah. And that's not a sad thing. Because what that means is we can make some choices about what makes us come alive, about what we really want to put our efforts into. And if we focus on three or four of those, 
We're going to find joy. We're going to find fulfillment. We're going to find some kind of meaning. Because all our gifts are in the context of the next person we meet. Nobody makes music to, to make people angry or push them away, right? You make music that you think other people are going to enjoy. Nobody bakes cakes that nobody wants to eat. <laughs> and, and, and let's talk about that. I believe that there are, there are gifts in between all of these hundreds and thousands of gifts that aren't mentioned. Sometimes when I prophesy, I prophesy gifts to people and I call them prophetic. Like I've, I've said to a couple of people, you know what? You, you know how to buy presents for people. And when you give, that, give it to them, God does something. And that person's like, yeah, I do. That's a prophetic gift. I've said to some people, you make food. Like when people are struggling, you make food and you take it over. And you're always surprised at what comes out of you. And they love it. And they come back and said, man, I felt so much better after eating that meal. That's a prophetic gift. It's not in that list. <laughs> because that's how good God is. And so this is a list. This is an example. But if you're not in this thing, there's hundreds of other things you have that are as powerful, that God will use in your life. And this is purpose. What are you good at? What comes naturally to you? Stop trying to figure out what your purpose is and just be it. Stop thinking somebody else's gift is more important and more valuable than yours. Just use what God has given you. And this comes back to those measures of faith. Some people will be better at the thing you do, but they will not touch the people you touch. So guess what? You will be the best at your gift in your circle. So don't let somebody else's magnificence dim yours. There's no comparison. God doesn't care about that. The next point is that every one of you already has faith. In fact, you were born with it. Now, the Holy Spirit comes on us and we have faith. But the point I'm trying to make here is you cannot get born again without faith. Why? Because Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So if you're sitting in this room, you've already had enough faith to get born again. And can I tell you something? It takes a lot of faith to get born again. Because you have to disagree with everything you thought was right, and you have to agree with a God you can't see. That's a lot of faith. So now I turn to somebody and say, I got me some faith. <laughs> You have faith. Again, how do I know this? Because <laughs> this is so famous, Matthew 17, 20. He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I have mustard seeds on my spice rack, and I, I don't bring them because you couldn't see them. <laughs> I mean, you'd see something. But they're tiny. They're really tiny. A mustard seed. And Jesus is saying, if you have this faith like the size of a mustard seed, you can throw a mountain into the sea. Have you ever seen anybody throw a mountain into the sea? So between nothing and a mustard seed, you have faith. Do you get that? You have faith. But the real question is, are we using our measure of faith to its fullest strength? 
And I want to bring a concept because I think this is something that has shamed me so much and it's something I've really gone before the Lord with. We can strong faith versus more or less faith. And this is the measures of faith. You see, as soon as you start believing you don't have enough faith, what are you going to do? You're going to stop trying. That's the human thing. Like when you try and do something that you think you might be gifted at and you fail, we get ashamed. We get embarrassed. We stop doing it, right? They are, like half the movies that existed in this world are about people who were like, I sang and then I was awful and I never did it again. And then Joey met me and then, and then at the end I'm singing like an angel. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Step up, you know, whatever. Like literally half the movies in the world. I mean, I'm making up statistics as we go, but you know, 70% of statistics are made up on the spot in any case. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's a leader's secret. Sorry, Lyrical. From now on, you're going to have to be accurate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, weak and strong versus more or less, because that more or less then becomes comparative. So Susie has giant faith. She's got so much faith. And then I start diminishing myself. And then I keep asking Susie to pray. And maybe Susie does have great faith, but that's not the point. You have a measure of faith. What are you doing with it? And so, oh, by the way, that's a picture of my bicep from a little while ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I used to be hot. Um, so, so um, the point I'm trying to make here is I believe that if we think of a spectrum of weak and strong faith, it's a lot more encouraging than more or less. And I think it fits better because we already have faith. And on the spectrum of our faith, it's what we are doing with our faith. And so sometimes our faith is weak and sometimes it's strong. In fact, the Bible teaches us and says that we can lose our faith. So this is um, the story of Jesus and his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus goes to sleep in the prow of the boat. And as he does that, a massive almighty storm erupts. They think they're going to die. And they have the audacity to shake him awake and say, save us, save us. And he says, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. We can lose our faith. They lost their faith. Now let's think about it. They had seen a whole pile of miracles by this point, right? Feeding of the 5,000. Bread appearing out of nowhere. Fish not running out. <laughs> they had seen lepers healed. They had seen demons cast out. Who is with them? Who is the one sleeping in their boat? And a storm comes up and they fear for their life and they lose their faith because they're human. Because that's scary, right? It's really scary. It's even scarier when you know Jesus can do something, but he's sleeping. <laughs> and it doesn't look like he's going to do something. And by the way, just as, a, as an aside, this is, there's no demonic activity here. This is very important in the story, wherever you read the story. 
Nothing in the original language even hints at demonic. What is happening? Jesus is showing his authority and his sovereignty over his created world. No demon can do this. No demon has power to do this. Satan himself can't do this. I've heard things where preachers, it's a spirit. He re- no, no. Where is he rebuking a spirit? It literally says he commands winds and water. And it's very important because what this is telling us is this is the kind of miracle where God can make natural things go the way he wants them to. Like when Steve got healed of his lymphoma. That's called a miracle, right? So don't give Satan any credit in this space. That's not faith. Anybody who tells you there was a demon, you tell them, no, go read your Bible. But there's a lot happening here, and I think it's such a beautiful picture because when the storms and winds, when the waves and winds come against me, and I start crying out at Jesus, and maybe he's sleeping in my boat, (laughs) wow, am I going to lose my faith? I have. I absolutely have. If you've lost your faith, you're in very good company. Loreco's not nodding too loud, but I know he's lost. No, just kidding. <laughs> never, never. Because we're human. <laughs> and it happens. But here's the beautiful thing. We can lose our faith, but guess what? We can strengthen our faith. So like when I used to have that big muscle, <laughs> it was why? Because... Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So when we lose our faith, what what do we do? We strengthen it. Acknowledge you've lost your faith. Stop comparing yourself to Almighty Susie and her faith. Understand, I still have a measure of faith. I'm just not using it right now. And then start strengthening your faith. And so how do we strengthen and grow our faith? By exercising. That's how that muscle got that big. Nobody should exercise that much. But, <laughs> but that's what happened there. He exercised and his muscle got big. How do we exercise our faith? Well, we start using what we have. We start trusting God. We start trusting who he tells us he is in his word. We stop wanting what we want, and we go and find what he wants. See, that's going to exercise your faith like nothing. You know, we do this thing. I do it. Let me just talk about me. I do it. Where I, like right now, I'm, I'm hating the fact that we're about to go into a, into a what do you call it, a heat wave. I hate it so much. Mostly because of sleep at night. Like as soon as it's over 23 degrees, I just sweat like a pig and it's awful and like sleep is just non-existent. It's horrible. Um, So (laughs) I'm now trying to think, like should I, I feel like I need an air con. (laughs) And I'm thinking, looking at portable air cons, right? That's what I think I need. I really am convinced that this week, that's what I need. But it's a lot of money. <laughs> so now I'm having this faith moment of like, Jesus, I need an aircon. <laughs> and I mean, he knows me and he blesses us and he does good things. So don't, and I'm not trying to make like a rule here. But the point I'm trying to make is there are so many moments in my life where I thought I knew what I needed. 
And I went after it. And I was on my knees. And I was praying and declaring. And I found scriptures that I felt justified the thing I wanted. And I went for it. And you know what? Sometimes I didn't get it. And then I was so disappointed in God. Can I tell you what was worse was the times I got it and realized it didn't change my life at all. In fact, it made it worse because now I had a whole lot more responsibility. See, God knows what you need. He knows what I need. And sometimes we put our faith in things. In and give me a wife, Jesus. Give me a husband, Jesus. I'm going to go there, right? Give me a car. Give me a job. Give me that leadership position. And sometimes God will give it to you so that you can see. <laughs> He's not being mean. He's just going, listen, you wanted it. Yeah, you go. I'm giving you what you want. So now, because what we're doing with sometimes in those things is we're trying to make our lives perfect and crisis-free. We're trying to crisis-proof our life. We're trying to failure-proof our life. God, doesn't, God is not interested. Failure is one of the best gifts that exists on this planet. I hate it. But it really is, because how are you going to learn? If you are not failing, you're not doing anything. If you aren't failing, you aren't trying. If you aren't failing, you're not growing. It is as simple as that. So God really, what we call failure, the Lord said this to me recently, what we call failure, he calls process. And some of us are sitting here ashamed and freaked out by, at ourselves and God because we think we failed. God's telling you tonight, you are in process. Stop calling it failure. Get up and try again and try and try and try until you grow. Success isn't even the point. Jesus in the middle of my life, that's the point. Success isn't getting the thing. Success is knowing God. And what this really comes down to is that we have to understand that the point of faith is to access God. You know, this, this scripture here, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Whose word is it? Not a trick question, it's there. Whose word is it? Christ, God's word. Faith comes from hearing, and where does hearing come from? What are we listening to? What are we hearing? The word of God. How can we hear God's word and not know who he is? Why did God write a Bible? Why did God reveal himself? I've given you the answer. To reveal himself. He wrote the Bible so we could know him. The prophet says, can a man know God? And the answer is a resounding yes. Can we understand him fully? No. Can we know him? Yes. Because he is telling us who he is. And over and over and over again, read your Bible. Read it. Because that is where God reveals to us who he is and what he wants. There are many things people say the Bible says that it does not say. And yes, sometimes it's confusing and sometimes it doesn't make sense like this. But the more you read it, the more you will garner, the more you will glean. And then once you've gleaned something, you will read it and you'll begin to see it everywhere. Like the love of God starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. 
The grace of God starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. The goodness of God, the fact that God thinks you're amazing and he doesn't just love you, but he likes you, starts in Genesis, ends in Revelation. But you've got to go and find it. And so before things, we'll talk about things in a moment. The first and foremost point of faith is that you can access God. You know, Romans Paul writes and he says of Abraham, who is the father of faith, right? He says this, Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as faith. That is ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Do you believe? That's it. What did Abraham believe? That the voice speaking in his mind, today we'd say he's schizophrenic, but he wasn't. <laughs> The voice speaking to him, he believed it was God. He believed the good promise. Do you know he never saw it? There were three boys when he died. That's hardly stars of the sky and sand on the seashore. Tonight he's looking over the balcony of heaven. And yeah, we are. Stars in the sky. Sand on the sea. Because his faith wasn't about the achievement. His faith was to know God. He believed you see, do you want to know God or do you want stuff? Now, let's be honest. We're human. We want both. Let's be honest, really. But the point is, if you are going after stuff without going after God, you might get the stuff. You might get everything you want. How fulfilled will you be? What will the actual meaning be? What will you leave behind you? Because stuff decays. <laughs> There's no guarantee. But God lasts forever. And so the reason faith then brings stuff to our life is because when we know God, his blessing and his favor rests on us. Because when we know God, there has to be fruitfulness. There has to be ministry, whether you're in the church, whether you're in finance or education or medi medication, medical or entertainment, whatever sphere you are in, you should be fruitful and ministering, right? Because you have a measure of faith. But don't make the mistake of the stuff. And I'm putting family, marriage, husbands and wives, cars, jobs, purpose. I'm putting that in the stuff pile. It's easier to grow our gifts than it is to grow our character. It's way more fun. Gifts give rewards like this, right? Character, you've got to suffer and suffer. And you've got to realize I'm Doing it wrong, I did it wrong again. But if all we grow is our gifts, that's all we've got to offer. And when the waves and the winds come, nothing, there'll be nothing. Praise God for gifts. So one of the ways we can grow our faith, and, and Paul talks about like these gifts and he mentions prophecy, and that's one of my gifts. And so this is, this is how we can exercise our faith. Because when I started off in prophecy, I was always that guy, if we were at connect group and praying, if we were at prayer meeting, if the worship was super anointed, I could prophesy. So as soon as there was a sense of the anointing, I could prophesy, right? But if I was just home alone, or if I was just sitting in a, in a restaurant or something, no prophecy. <laughs> and then... Mentors in my life, Pastor Carol Gosman amongst them, started telling stories of like stepping out in faith and trusting the Lord for a word and going, you know, going out. And, and I was scared. 
I was really scared. I didn't think I could do it. I didn't believe I could do it. But I kept hearing these stories, and slowly, slowly, something grew in me, and I, I started sort of praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, okay, I want to prophesy over somebody at church today. I don't want to just prophesy to, to the church because there's anointing in the front. I want to trust you for a word. And I came to church, and I sort of made a decision every single Sunday, I'm not leaving until I've prophesied over one person. <laughs> So who knows, for six weeks, nobody got prophesied because <laughs> I was scared. But as I kept going, eventually I got it and I sort of stumblingly gave somebody a word and I was like, wow, okay. But after a while, I began to realize that my faith was bringing the anointing. And that was one of the biggest steps in my growth as a prophetic minister was that understanding that I prophesy by faith, which is what the Bible says. You, the gifts come by faith. What is the faith? God, you want to do it, you can do it, and you can use me. So why did I grow in prophecy? Because before, I, 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 I kept waiting for the anointing. And when I sensed the anointing, I prophesied. Now in faith, I knew if I just trusted the Lord, the anointing would come. So what, what started happening, I, I stopped asking the question, should I prophesy? Everybody should. The Bible is clear. And I started asking, God, what are you saying? And the only reason I can't prophesy or I don't prophesy is if I can't hear God, which can happen, or if he's not speaking. That's way rarer, but sometimes he doesn't say something to me. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I started prophesying by faith. And so today, anybody, almost anybody can walk up, if I ask the Lord for a word and he gives me one, I will prophesy. Do, do you see how the, the muscle grew? Do you see how my faith grew? It got stronger. It wasn't more or less faith. I have enough faith for what I need to do, but I've grew it. And so that's what we need to do. And then I want to end with this, and it, it comes back to this relationship with Jesus Christ. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So what are the winds and, and waves coming against you today? Where does it feel like Jesus is sleeping in your boat? <laughs> you see, faith is about who he is. You are born of God. You know Jesus. You have him. He's living in your heart. He is your best friend. He's the lover of your soul. He is your very present help in time of need. He is. And in this season, it's crazy in this country right now, right? It's crazy in the world, my word. There is so much going on, and it feels like the end is nigh, right? So what are we going to do? Well, it's our faith that overcomes the world. Your faith. Your world. <laughs> Who is your faith? Jesus. And so some of you are struggling. I've struggled. I, I want ESCOM to keep the lights on 24-7. I really do. I don't feel like I'm asking a lot. Actually, I feel like it should just really be common sense that that's what they do. And I went through a phase this year where I lost faith because of that thing. But what happened? I took my eyes off of Jesus. I made an outcome for my comfort, the goal of my faith. And I was disappointed. 
I was continually disappointed because ESCOM is disappointing. <laughs> and so what I had to learn is that that cannot be what I'm trusting God for because I can't fix that. I can pray, I can do whatever a good citizen should do, but I can't fix that. But Jesus can fix me. And when I started putting my faith back in who Jesus was, suddenly there was a whole lot more purpose again in my life. Suddenly when the lights went out, I had some strategies, I had some plans. It wasn't who I was. It's still irritating and frustrating, and ESCOM should just do better. But we can live well in Jesus. Is this making sense to you guys? And so that's pretty much all I have to say tonight about faith and the measures of faith. But I really hope you understand and that you carry with you that you do have faith and you have enough faith for your life. And, you, and if you've lost your faith, you can grow it again. And maybe that's the ministry to do. Where have you lost faith? Where have you given up? Where are you focusing on the outcome and that's stressing you and causing anxiety because you're not getting the outcome? And God cares for you. The Bible is so clear that he will provide your needs. And I know that many of us in this room are just struggling with basic needs. Food has got so expensive. I mean, it's really expensive to live these days. But wherever you find yourself, the trust in Jesus, right? Because he cares about you. And he loves you. And so, Lord, I just pray for all of us tonight, Lord God. Thank you that you have given us the measure of faith that we need, that it's unique to us, Lord God. And where you are, just make a commitment that you're not going to compare your faith anymore. We're not going to do that, God. We're not, other people have great faith. We'll, we'll be excited for them and applaud them. But, Lord, we are going to live our lives in the measure of faith you've given us to do it, Lord God. Some of you need to make a fresh commitment to just embracing your purpose tonight. Stop trying to be somebody else. What are you good at? That is amazing. You have something that can bless other people. That Focus on that. Don't worry about what other people do. Some of you are realizing you need to exercise that measure of faith, that you, you've been a little lazy with your faith. Lord, help us. Give us strategy of how to practice faith and exercise it, Lord. And some of you are realizing that you really need to put your faith in God again, to put your faith in Jesus, that you need to forget the stuff and the outcomes and just love Jesus because he's amazing. Help us, Jesus. God, we are so human. We are so fickle, but you are faithful. When we are unfaithful, you are faithful and you never let us go. And so, God, we recommit our hearts to you. We love you, Jesus. All we want to see is you, God. We let go of those things. We know you're going to provide. We don't know how you're going to do it, but give us grace, God. Give us strength. And I, I pray tonight, God, for every person that has a need in this room, a financial need, a need for work, a need um, just for, for protection, Lord God. I pray for them tonight. You are their provider. Manifest, God. Manifest. But may they trust you. God, those who need health and healing, manifest, Lord Jesus. God, those who are anxious and depressed and, and just not feeling well in their souls, come tonight, Holy Spirit. Encourage them. Lift them, Lord God. Lift them. Help them, Lord God. Let them just receive your love and your blessing tonight, God. God, those who have big dreams and are expecting much 
from their lives. God, come, come with power. Open opportunities, open doors, Lord God. Strengthen our faith tonight, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.